0: reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with
1: Drizzly or Instacart.
0: Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Greg Olson, inviting you to check out my new Blue Wire podcast, TE1, where I interview tight ends throughout the history of the NFL who have helped revolutionize the position. TE1 is presented by the Chevy Silverado. The Silverado is all about grit. It's strong and dependable exactly like playing tight end just like the incredible players we sit down with on the podcast the chevy silverado is in a league of its own strong advanced and dependable download te1 today wherever you listen to podcasts
2: baker mayfield undraftable off my board the cleveland browns select baker mayfield
0: Welcome in to the Orange and Brown Film Breakdown podcast I'm your host Jake Burns. Excited about a really great episode where we are gonna take and, and look back here at you know, some of the uh, specific players, Baker Mayfield, the offensive line as we talk about how the Browns have performed in the first two weeks. And then also look forward at the end of this podcast with with a great guest who I think will give us some good insight on where Washington sits. Listen, the over under on me calling them the Redskins is like, I don't know, 20. Uh, I I hope to stay under that. John Kine will come on and give us a, a preview of Washington. He's ESPN's NFL Nation reporter for the team. So uh, big shout out to him for doing that. Also have great segments coming up on Baker Mayfield with Matt Waldman and Brandon Thorne dropping by from Established uh, establish the run talking about, uh, you know, the Browns offensive line He's one of the best studying it in the NFL. So I thought we'd give him a chance to, to chat about it. So before we really get going with our guests, I want to talk about the defense because we're not going to touch on that a ton. Um, you know, the Browns defense is obviously shorthanded. They have issues. it, it nickel specifically where they had to start tevye thomas who gave up nine catches on 10 targets for you know 85 yards i think it was something close to that according to pro football focus and the Bengals' plan was pretty clear they were going to throw quick throws to get the ball out of out of uh out of Joe Burrow's hands as quickly as possible and, and the Browns were kind of playing into that and allowing them to nickel and diamond, daring Joe to beat them down the field and they couldn't. They couldn't beat them on the outsides. And they certainly didn't run any schemes that were uh you know were of long developing nature to to throw the football down the field. So it worked out for both sides. The Browns were playing out in front. I think Joe Woods plan is just, hey man, we need to get a couple, three or four punts and we can score enough on their on their defense to to be in a good position, and they, you know, obviously they did, and and it put the Browns in uh, a good position to play from out in front, and any time a team's throwing 61 pass attempts to, uh, you know, to win a football game, it's going to be tough, and, and Cincinnati puts up 30, but the game was never really in doubt, so, you know, you do want to see the return of Greedy, uh, Williams might help the Browns out at nickel a little bit, I don't know how much Kevin Johnson will play or MJ Stewart will play, but they need to find a way to get somebody on the inside in their nickel looks that's going to, you know, help support, some sort of relatively decent pass coverage because Tavier Thomas, great special teams player, but just not, not a great nickel in the NFL and the Bengals exploited him. Uh, Mack Wilson could help out a little bit with pass coverage up and down year last year. I don't know. They just need Taki Taki to tackle better in space. He did not tackle Joe Mixon very well and uh, BJ Goodson to play a little bit more instinctually. That's not really his MO per se, but they they need better results from BJ in pass coverage or Malcolm Smith might see an uptick in snaps at the mic position. So we'll see. It's, um, you know, it's, it's a defense that's in flux, man. They're they're filling in for injuries, and they're staying vanilla. I think Ronnie Harrison probably sees an uptick in snaps and relieves Anderson dejo a little bit, who has clearly struggled with big responsibility back there, free safety. Um, but for the most part, I expect it can only get better, right? I think that they have a, a group that is trying to figure out what Joe Woods wants to do. They're trying to get healthy. They're trying to... Uh, um you know learn what he wants them to do alignment responsibility wise I think they've brought some pressure occasionally it's been good I think they should do a little more of that especially to confuse Dwayne Haskins a little bit we will see if it pans out in any any way shape or form if they do but I think they need to do that a little bit more unpredictability on defense would help so I'll be breaking the defense down more in the coming weeks because I think we'll get a a much better picture of those guys as as things come and 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 they can really settle in with with the scheme and personnel gets healthier and all that I think it will, will really help so Before we get to our first guest, which is going to be a great one, um, we're going to talk about Visa. Visa knows that local businesses are the heartbeat of our communities, whether they're our corner stores, our coffee spots, or our favorite shops, local businesses have always been there for us. They remember our orders, they call us by name, they're always giving back, making a difference and going that extra mile to support us and our community. And right now, more than ever, local businesses need our support, so it's time for us to return the favor. The next time you go shopping, make the choice to shop at a local business. And look for the contactless symbol and tap to pay with a contactless visa to help support your community. Because where and how you shop matters. Visa, everywhere you want to be, official partner of the NFL and sponsor of Blue Wire Podcast. So now we shift. We're going to go talk about Baker Mayfield with Matt Waldman. Matt has his own thing, man. He does his own uh, RSP boiler rooms. He does fantastic scouting. Just a smart football mind who's been doing it for a really long time. So I'm excited to have Matt on. So let's get over to our interview with Matt Waldman. So, Matt, I value your opinion on this stuff, man. I, I certainly have talked to you about running backs in the past, and I know you've taken a collective look at the Browns. You're always interested. Dating back to your fandom your days there and, uh, you know, the, the, the Bernie days. And, and that drew you in, and I know you watch the Browns and pay close attention to them. And I know you particularly pay close attention to Baker and some of the faults that are that are going on. And I highlighted some of those faults after week one. And, and uh, it's not fun for me to write those things. You know, I want to – want to write positive things about Brown's quarterback situation, but it hasn't always been great. But week two was much better in a lot of different aspects. So I'm curious kind of where you're at after week one and then sort of, you know, what they did to help him and what he did to help himself in week two.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm with you when it comes to Baker Mayfield. I think your sentiments are exactly mine when it comes to to the overall situation in terms of how you feel about it. But when it comes to the analysis of Baker Mayfield, yeah, certainly week one was really tough. Um, I think week two showed signs of what he can do in this offense um, when everything goes his way for the most part. Um, And I think that that's, there were some encouraging points here. You got a chance to see him, um, you know, do well when they could do boot action and when he could get outside the pocket or when they could spread the field and give him time and see what the defense has declared. And you saw him I feel like he was getting his sea legs in this particular um, game where he was kind of getting a feel for what the offense could do when things go right yeah
0: for me it's like with Baker there's an element to his game that he has to get going early he has to he has to feel comfortable in what's unfolding in front of him early and and, and then as you see like if you watched Baltimore and then you watch and I know Baltimore went south quickly but for the most part in the first half up until that third and two and missed field goal it was a relatively competitive. Close game, you know when Baker gets going early, he gets this strut about him. He's following plays really quickly. He's very confident, and what makes it particularly tough for defenses. And we're going to talk about the Browns' running game in a minute. But like, you know if you're if you're going to sit a backside edge player, whether that's a force player or sorry a contained player, such as a a walk down safety or an outside backer or a nickel, or it's your defensive end, you're risking the gamut by having him send up field. After Baker Mayfield, because you're losing a cutback player. And with the Browns' two running backs, the cutback stuff is a big part of their wide zone scheme. Now, they obviously don't, they haven't run a ton of wide zone early. They've run more pulling, counter, power, uh, different gap schemes, but that's still an element to things that you want your backside, you know, contain player to be an active part in run fits. So that becomes a challenge. The Browns take advantage of it. That's great. I think the big part of like, what Baker's going to be good at in this offense is piggybacking off of his run game. If you put, if the Browns put themselves in situations where they're trailing by 10 or more points and they have to climb back up the scoreboard, that's where defenses can get really creative and do different pre- to post-nap stuff and do different simulated pressures and change the look on Mayfield, and that's where he's struggling. So, like, my question is, and I I have an answer to this, but I'm sort of curious from your perspective, a neutral perspective here is, is Baker a guy that you can count on to bring you back into games? I, I, I'm interested in what your take is. Do you see him being a guy the Browns fall behind 17-3 in the second quarter this week against Washington? Can he throw 35 times a game? Can he throw – well, well that, that's annoying. Can he throw 35 times a game and, and make it work? Can they come back? Or do you see him as only really being what I call a play taker right now and getting things from whatever the defense gives him?
1: Well, I think that your question and what just happened environmentally around you is is a perfect example of how a quarterback should probably handle that situation as opposed to how Baker Mayfield has in the past. Um, so when you take a look at, at Mayfield, it's one of those situations where the answer, the true answer is we don't know yet. And we'd have to say you got to prove it, buddy, because when you take a look at the Cincinnati game, what you see is a guy that once he can get going because of the play action, he'll be aggressive. I love the fact that he can be aggressive downfield and when they give him three to one side off of a boot action, he'll take the deepest one based on the leverage read and not even hesitate. I love the fact that he's someone that um, you can see him being able to you, you know, target guys in rhythm and if It's a spread out offense, and there's no pressure. He can pivot to a a different side of the field and throw the ball with pinpoint accuracy. Um, You know, he has the deep arm, whether he's in the pocket or whether he's on the move. Um, But the problem is is that even in the Cincinnati game, and the sample size is small for the game, but when you look at it overall with his game um, in other contests, the problem that you see with Baker Mayfield is the moment he gets the hint of pressure that forces him to climb, even if it's like a one-on-one out in a flat off of a rollout and he's forced to climb, he doesn't make great decisions off of that. He's not a pocket climber, and that's a problem because he's more of a pocket bailer. Like You can even see there's a play where in the red zone, before he throws a touchdown to Kareem Hunt, Where he has, and I show this in a video um, evaluation that I just put out last night, um, where Harrison Bryant actually (laughs) is wide open coming across where he's in a two man route combination coming across the goal line, and Baker doesn't see it because the minute he finishes the final step of his drop, He's already got his front leg so close to his back because he's preparing to bail the pocket when there's no pressure there because he's going to roll to the opposite side. If he just completes that drop, stays in the pocket, and throws that then pivots to the middle, he has a wide open Harrison Bryant for at least another beat or two. And that's something that he misses fairly often in the red zone. And then when you talk about you know, other plays... You know, the interception he had, I mean, certainly everyone's going to make one or two mistakes in the game. It's just that you don't need – you can't make two to three mistakes every week. And one of the things with him is that, you know, when he does that rollout late in the game and then he has pressure coming and it's out in the flat and he climbs that, you can tell that, like, pre-snap conceptually, I think he misses the dropping safety in the – or dropping backside cornerback in zone who – Falls off because they ran basically an end around action, and that guy's man wasn't, um, you know, wasn't someone he needed to cover in his area yet. So he drops back and undercuts that throw to once again to Bryant on the post, and it's just one of those situations where he could have climbed and he could have bought a little bit more time. Or um, when you see him in the pocket, the only play I saw him in the pocket where he actually. Did something that made me feel kind of good about his potential there, and it was kind of him having a realization almost. But it was still a baby step. It wasn't like saying, "Yeah, we can use him in the pocket." And when things get really, you know, things get hairy and he feels pressure, he can stay in that pocket, climb, maneuver, and find a, find a receiver and throw it appropriate, accurately, and appropriately. You know, there was a play where he hits um, Odell Beckham basically in the middle of the field after he almost bails the pocket. Like he literally takes two steps outside of it and what he ends up doing is drawing the linebacker in the flat where there were two um, receivers, draws the linebacker up to him, that frees the um, Beckham who's coming behind him, breaking across, and then he steps back into the pocket and delivers the ball. And it's great, but it was almost kind of at first you watch it because it when you look at all his work in total, you think, uh oh, here he is bailing the pocket again. Um And but I saw what he did was nice there. But the problem is, is against Cincinnati, there weren't enough moments to really show what can happen when the defense says, you know what, we're not falling for the run game. We're going to be able to stop the run game, uh, at least or at least slow it down a little bit. And we're going to force you into situations where um, you're going to have to prove to us that you can throw the ball from the pocket. And there are going to be plenty of defenses that can do that. And until that point. The, at the, the most optimistic, the answer is it's an incomplete. And for me, it's proven it to me because for the past three years, whatever the ballot excuses are about what's gone with this organization, you haven't done it.
0: Yeah, I have some things to add because that's great analysis. A lot of things that I wrote about, some things that I didn't that I probably felt like going back through it, I should have added to that, Matt. Like, you know, the the, the that play that you're talking about on the goal line was one that – I think yesterday Brandon Thorne put up a clip about Jedrick Will's drop in, on that snap. Yeah, it's the vertical set. Yeah, which was great. Which was yeah, which was great. But I I noticed it right away. I'm like, I know what this throw because the next I, I believe the next play he hits Kareem Hunt on the little the little railroad out of the backfield. Yes. But yeah, I, I highlighted it right away in my all twenty two view of it is like All you need to do, man, and I know that that Cincinnati kind of naturally forms a left-side heavy high-climb pressure, but, like, and it's not a pressure. I'm just saying that's how their rush kind of unfolds. He has to get to the point where he just kind of, instead of feeling like he needs to bail, you know, as a quarterback, you need to move your line of sight there because Cincinnati's kind of cluttering the middle, and you're not 6'4", you're 6'1", pushing it, and you need to, to move a little bit. But instead of turning your feet and running laterally, just kick step two times get yourself yes. away from a distance kick step a couple times and then your eyes can work back to the middle of the field organically and that's where Harrison Bryan is open for a touchdown so like that that was one there was another one where he actually ran on the first drive a third and 7 um he took off left yes. and ran he kind of so like another clip that people posted of Jed doing a great job of running his man by on the high side so like as that happens Baker kind of climbs and and bails left, but what you would like him to do is climb and reset because if you watch that play, and if, if anyone is listening can watch it, <laughs> if he climbs the pocket, resets, he has Cadero Hodge on a dig. Cincinnati kind of uh brackets the middle, uh I think the inside number one in trips, they bracket him on a little over route over the top. Both guys' okay. backs are turned, and there's Cadero Hodge sitting over the middle on a dig that you can make that completion. So, you know, you get seven yards and And, you know, ultimately the goal line situation doesn't matter because the railroad is there for a touchdown the next play, but it's the process over results stuff that you look at. Like, you want him, like, to me, he can survive for a little while in this league doing what he's doing. Like, he's going to find some things that make you cling on and maybe he gets a fifth year, maybe he gets another contract. I don't know. Like, if there's enough um, coaching that Stefanski and Van Pelt can do to put him in those situations. But for me, it's like, you want him to think less Russell Wilson. Think less... Um, you know, not even Lamar because Lamar sits in the pocket a little bit more, but you just you need him to stop considering himself a guy who needs to play football in the perimeter. And how does he beat people with his brain? How does he beat people with his processing? I liked that the Browns map put Odell on the backside out of a lot of three-by-one sets, or even a couple two-by-twos where he was the backside trail guy, whether that was a dig or a shallow or whatever, because then you know, Baker's mind is a little bit more, okay, I know I have Odell on the backside if I don't like what I see on the front side initially. So they're maybe trying to train his eyes and thought process there a little bit. Hey, man, come off your first read if you don't love it. Come off your first read and you have a really dangerous open space receiver here right in front of your eyes. So some of that yeah. stuff did happen. And you made a great point about that that ball that he kind of caught himself on. I actually thought he processed one to two and he had a line of sight issue. Like, I think he looked for Odell and then he saw p- the backer. Yeah. Yeah, he, we saw the backer and I think Betonio and, and whoever Betonio was engaged with were a little bit in his line of sight. So I, I it, instead of him pushing out and trying to, like, run... I just would like him to, when his mind goes crazy, because every quarterback has it. Your mind goes chaotic sure. in the pocket, but it's how well do your does your body and your muscle memory respond to that chaos in your brain. So, like, that's what he has to do is, like, when my body's telling me to go bail run, step, slide, kick, find open space in the pocket, and then deliver the football. That ultimately, Matt, in my opinion, man, is going to define his career. Like, if he yeah. if he can't do it, if he can't get there, you know, I think he'll get over the, the, the ripping the football into tight windows and giving himself more chance. There's a little bit of a fear of interception stuff, I think, was going on. I don't think that's going to be what defines his career. I think he'll always have some of those throws where he just kind of pushes the limit. But, like, if he can't figure out a way to sit in the pocket and maneuver it and use his eyes and brain to beat people, the arm strength is there. And he can get by for a little bit running laterally and making some extended plays, but it is not going to keep him in the league for 15 years, and it's not going to take the Browns to the playoffs. Teams, like you said, Matt, are going to eventually, I'm rambling a bit, but teams are eventually going to say, okay, Nick Chubb can run for 140 yards. We're just not going to let Baker throw from situations where he's comfortable. We're just not going to do it. You yeah. know, it's not, it's not a big deal. Like we're going to make Baker have to, eventually we're going to stop a couple runs. It's going to be third and nine. He's going to have to make a play. So like, yeah. that's what they're going to do. And, and I don't know, that's where I'm at with Baker.
1: I well, I, I'm with you. I'm totally with you. I mean, to me, I mean, if to, to be completely honest, I mean, the feeling of it as a frustrated Browns fan is, is I'm, he's done for me. Like, that's my feeling is that as someone who watches the game and then watches a the situation, I'd rather see then I'd rather see them roll with Case Keenum and draft another quarterback. And I know a lot of people would be really frustrated with that. But I understand the fact that Kevin Stefanski was hired to bring to, you know, one, to bring in an offense that could um, help them salvage what they have with Baker Mayfield due to – you know, even if they don't admit it to themselves, all the dysfunction that they've had up in the front office that has helped trickle down and create a lot of these scenarios and been a, at least a contributor to it. And when you look at Baker Mayfield, you know, to me, the hardest thing to learn is that pocket stuff because you mentioned Russell Wilson. And here's the thing I mean, I just watched Russell Wilson the other night throw a ball to Tyler Lockett along the end line. Mm-hmm. Um, and that play, there was total logic why did he abandon the pocket? And he really didn't fully abandon the pocket. He actually. He actually climbed first and then he like rolled to flush to a side. And as soon as he saw the open window where he didn't fully clear space, he threw that ball because he understands the timing of how to process that. And he's confident in what he sees, whereas with Mayfield, because of what's happened, partially because of who he is naturally as a quarterback, it's a combination of both. You see him even on the first play of the game, there was a play that he had a deeper play. Um, I believe it was the one where he had kind of the honey hole shot um, to, to Landry that he didn't take. And it was debatable, but mm-hmm. I think uh, if he was confident, he might have been able to hit that with the arm that he has. There was a play that he, he went to Hooper, I think, first and, and kind of checked that down instead. Um, and it was a good decision. But it's like you can see where there's points where he's he kind of hesitates on where he shouldn't, where maybe he shouldn't take the chance now. And now he's going to go to the, the to the easier play, which is fine for right now. But it's like he's still working through some of that. And I think Stefanski knows that. They know that they're trying to give him situations where he can, you know, make good decisions. I mean, this is a Jake Plum. This is kind of the Jake Plummer situation in Denver. If you ask me, is where you know this offense is traced back to its Shanahan roots. And Mike Shanahan had, got Jake Plummer and basically made him helped him have a Pro Bowl season that year. Went to the AFC Championship. And a lot of it was predicated off of you know the, his favorite play was that boot action um, throw you know basically to a deep post or a deep crosser, and he had a ton of big plays in that Pro Bowl year. And the next year they ended up replacing the midseason with Jay Cutler, but the you know the story is at least Ted Sundquist, the former GM, said is that Shanahan got mad with Plumber's. Um, you know, issues in the playoffs and unable to really get it down. And at some point, Shanahan, you, you know, I admire Mike Shanahan for basically knowing that Jake Plummer wasn't the guy for him, like knowing that I don't, I don't believe in him, I know this, based, based on what I've seen, who I've worked with. Mm. Um, now, I did particularly like the dysfunctional way he decided to go about it, which was they, they drafted Cutler, and he decided, even though the team was still playoff um, contending, that he basically scrubbed that the best play that Plummer had from his playbook and didn't let him run it the entire season. And that was something that Ted's you know, Sunquist mentioned, you know, in that way and, and Shanahan has kind of had that kind of dysfunctional thing about him as a leader from what I've seen and talked about a lot. But you know, you look at Baker Mayfield, and I think he's kind of similar in that way. You think about Plummer and him; they both were, they both thrived improvisationally in college, a little bit in the pros, and maybe leaned on it too much in the pros. Well, absolutely leaned on it too much in the pros. They were quick enough to be able to avoid pressure. They were, they had good arms and the ability to be able to throw on the move. They could execute the play-action game well. Give them quick-hitting types of plays, and they could do well there. But that's the thing; it's like there are certain limitations there to their games, and and to me i just feel like kevin stefanski isn't completely invested in baker mayfield and i and i hope that they didn't bring him in to say it's you're attached to baker mayfield or bust. um i I would rather see them go in a different direction if mayfield can't get it together and there's still time like to me like we're we're two games in he had a horrible game from the standpoint of what he doesn't do well and then he had a good game based on what he does well. Mm-hmm. I want to see, you know, I think we need to see about three to five more games out of him, and we'll know because pocket. I don't think the pocket stuff changes. That's very hard for a quarterback to change. The things that you mentioned that can change, I totally agree with you that you know that they can in terms of reads, in terms of wisdom, in terms of kind of calming down a little bit. But there are certain situations that are just more um, reactive, yeah. and if you've and if it's so ingrained in you basically in the pocket is one of those ingrained things in you you know it's unless you're a boxer um and even certain boxing things i mean like when you think about boxers in the middle of like just trading punches and they're in close quarters you know there's a point that if you take some shots um either you're someone that fights back or you're someone that covers up you know and baker is not a fight back kind of guy in close quarters
0: i'm with you i feel i feel pretty confident in the fact that he can do a a, a relatively good number of things well, and yeah. can you find an offense that you can make that work in? Sure, for may you know we're looking at it right now. The good thing for Baker is that that offense is not hidden; it's in front of him. It's it's there for him to take and do as he can with it. Um, but you, you know, I I kind of keep saying this, and that's you know some of these guys who are finding success in the modern quarterbacking era um you know here with Mahomes is just a unicorn he can do kind of it all but like Lamar has the ability to extend plays and keep defenses from doing what they want to do because they're so afraid of his legs now Lamar has become a very efficient passer and he's, he's become very accurate and he's proving himself to be more than just that but that's a big part of who he is like Josh Allen too you know Josh has accuracy issues sometimes but he's also figured out a way to play to his strengths and. He can extend the pocket and he can extend plays and run and there's a threat there. And like the thing with 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 Baker has to be how is he going to stay and thrive in the league? And he has to find a way to do it mentally, uh, to be a beat ahead. You know, we talk about Tom Brady and Drew Brees and Phillip Rivers, these guys who have been in the league for so long. You know, you don't stumble into fifteen to twenty years in the NFL. You you have to be a beat ahead of the defenses sometimes. And if you look at that, that interception week one, that's the case in point, you know, you got to know that they're trapping you. You got to know that teams are going to replace blitzes and pin you into a hot read. And I know those mistakes are going to happen sometimes, but like, I need to see evidence of Baker being a beat ahead, being able to understand that he's going to get a fire zone there. And Hey, you know, actually my, my backside flat or speed out is wide open. I'll just dump it off. Like just being a beat ahead because you watch film and, you know, so like that stuff you need to see. And, and, Listen, I'm not. I'm, I'm not doing this to to bail on him either. I'm. I'm just. I'm just telling people, just like you are. Like this is what I see. It, it. It is going to define his career, how long he's in the league, and how well he plays in this league. If he can. If he can find a way to contain himself mentally and physically in the pocket and work through progressions, he has yeah. to be able to do it. If he cannot find it, it's like a baseball player who cannot hit anything down in the zone off speed. Like if they can't they're done. If they can't hit a high fastball, they'll find a way to get you out of the the out of major league baseball in 5 years. And that's kind of the window Bakers looking at cuz defenses defenses have him down. I don't know what the hell Cincinnati was doing, but teams teams have him down. They they know what he can and can't do well. So once teams start saying, "Hey, we're gonna risk the backside and let Nick Chubb beat us if Nick Chubb or you know Nick Chubb. We're just not gonna let Baker do anything. We're gonna we're yeah. gonna we're gonna put him in situations where he has to beat us, and until he proves he can do it that's what, that's what it boils down to. So again, and go ahead. Sorry. Let me
1: just add one thing with that. Cause you brought up somebody that I think is a great comparison point, And that's Josh Allen. I think these two guys are, these two teams are very closely linked in terms of development trajectory. Um, because you can see what the Buffalo bills want to do. They are a tough blue collar team that wants to run the ball, use play action and let, and then let, um, Josh Allen improvise a little bit within certain reason, but, he, you know, he can get quite unreasonable very fast, sure, um, sure. you know, in terms of his game. But he, the difference between these two is that I think that I think the teams I think the Browns expected to have a smarter quarterback than Josh Allen in terms of like maybe not smarter, savvier in terms of how to handle um, uncalled for situations. And I think with Josh Allen, what you're seeing is that the difference between these two is that Josh Allen is, frankly, a better athlete than Baker Mayfield. He's oh, yeah. faster, Run he's them. quicker, he's stronger, he's more foolish even. But um, but <laughs> he, and he has a bigger and he has an even bigger arm than Mayfield. But the thing is, is that when you watch that team, I mean, I'm still waiting. Even after a, a great start to the season, you know, when they start playing zone against him a little bit more <laughs> often. Um, and they can stop the run game, you know, without having to load up the box as much, and they force him to throw into zones. We're going to see how good Josh Allen has become, and I don't think we, I think we're going to see some issues there with him. Um, I think Baker makes more intelligent decisions overall than Josh Allen at times, um, but his execution isn't quite there. And so when you look at this, Mayfield can't be Josh Allen because he's just quick enough to avoid pressure. He's not fast enough to really scare people with his legs. He's not big enough to be able to break tackles. Exactly. Um, you know, and exactly. he's not a guy that can stand in the pocket like Allen and step up and take the hit and throw the ball. That's why he doesn't climb that pocket. He's mm-hmm. reticent to climb that pocket. He's—I'd almost say—he's phobic about that. Like that's just not—he knows that's not his game. Though so there's moments where you'd like to see him try. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Even, you know, and because. There are moments where it needs to happen. You need to discern the moments where you know yourself enough to go, it's not my strength, but this has to happen. It's about I five times
0: be- a game, right? Where a guy just yeah. – just, the defense, the rush works out perfectly. A throw is there to be made. You have to climb and step in and eat a throw where you put you know, a ball out there and you take a hit in the chest. Like That's a thing that you have to do. And the guys that are the best at doing this – make about five or more of those throws a game. You just can't play outside the hash yeah. marks all the time. Russell, and, there's, and there's just yeah, not going to be... There, was, go ahead,
1: go ahead. Russell Wilson, who got compared to him, you know, was a guy, you know, when you watch Russell Wilson throw a ball to David Moore along the left rail on Sunday evening, he took a shot, yeah. you know, to do that. You know, it wasn't like he was avoiding pressure and threw that ball. I mean, he he stood in there and took a pretty good shot and he takes some shots, you know, and I think that's the thing that... You know, when it comes down to it, you just look at Mayfield, and I think this is where it's at. It's like you, we're in that phase where it's like you're either going to have to prove that this offense can avoid enough situations and he can meet them halfway, and not even halfway. Like, the the offense is like, we're going to give you there's going to be four or five situations a game where you're just going to have to come there and meet it you're not going to have to do it half the time you may have to do it 25 to 30% of the time if you can do the things that you haven't been able to do 25 to 30% of the time we can play winning football yeah. if you can't do those things then we're going to have to move on and i think that that's we're in that stage over the next 3 to 5 weeks where we're going to learn whether baker mayfield can do that or whether they're going to have to move on.
0: It's just very hard in the modern era, Matt, to have your team prop up a quarterback. It can happen, you know. Teams can, you know, like the, the the Denver Broncos carrying old Peyton Manning to Super Bowls and things like that can happen. But it is it is not something you want to set. It's just harder. It's just infinitely harder to to hit all those other positions you need to hit and uh, and overcome a quarterback that can't do everything. You need a quarterback in this generation, a quarterback that can at least competently do everything. So. Baker's still got to grow. He's got a lot to prove. Look, week two, some strides, some good things were done. Some scheme things helped him. um, And he did some things better that we want to see him do better. But he has to continue to show and has to put, I have to see, like you said, Matt, marked effort to say, I know where I'm struggling. This is something I have to do within this game to get better at it. Like, I just would love to see it. Even if he climbed the pocket and ate a sack. He ate a sack. He got hit. Maybe his guard gets driven into his face. (laughs) I just want to see it like you do. I need to see it. I need to see him once high side pressure goes beyond him. Stay calm and stay cool and just slide. Kick, slide. The stuff that you work on every day in individual period, kick, slide, footwork stuff to get away from pressure, apply it apply that stuff it'll be good look I was supposed to have Matt on for 10 minutes and we're at 26 and some change man Like we can't do this we can't do 10 minute windows brother and and
1: and it's funny because I have one more that I just want to add to just kind of cap my thoughts with this since we're already there so to me if as a Browns fan if you can look at this just as an instructive thing regardless of say Baker doesn't work out okay whether you were attached to him and thought that he got a raw deal in some respects or whether you never thought he was good or you're somewhere like most fans is somewhere in between okay look at this as an instructive moment to remind yourself that a star college quarterback a, a terrific college quarterback there's a difference between a great college quarterback and a and a competent NFL starter and that the gap is is pretty wide. And that the things that we're knocking Baker for in terms of what he needs to work on and what he hasn't been able to do, they're small things, but that it just shows you just how important mm-hmm. those things are. And and it's why when you look at it from a numbers perspective, and you say that, say, the 95th percentile of, of all football players are in college football right now, um, and that... The 99th percentile get drafted, but it's the 99, maybe 0.5 who actually make a team. And it's the 99.9 percentile who actually start and have long starting careers in the NFL. That 0.4 percent difference is so small, it seems like. But when you're talking about errors per whatever amount that you're going to look at, errors per million, errors per thousand, whatever, those errors that small amount of errors per whatever sample amount, that's a big deal in the NFL. We are talking about three to five plays a game, you know, those three to five plays are the difference between Josh Allen and, and Baker Mayfield and Russell Wilson. You know, those are differences between, um, you know, Dak Prescott and Tom Brady during their careers, you know? And so when you can look at it from that perspective, you can appreciate Baker Mayfield for what he's done so far but also understand and take seriously that those few things he isn't doing aren't nitpicking. Those are things he has to do to get there. Very real stuff.
0: Very good, Matt. He's at Matt Waldman on Twitter. Make sure you're following him. I know you already are, but a subtle reminder, make sure you're following him. Matt, listen, man, it turned into a half hour, but this is great content. I hope Browns fan learned a lot about where we're at with him. Thanks,
1: buddy. Hey, man, my pleasure.
0: Really great stuff from Matt there, and I hope you keep perspective on – sort of how we're going about analyzing Baker Mayfield and the things we want to see from him. I think Baker's obviously had, if you look at some numbers you can spend, that Baker's had a really great first three years, or if you look at some other other numbers you could say Baker's had, these issues, the high volume of Intercept, you can spend the numbers whatever way you want. But when I watch the film, I'm taking away what I'm taking away, and I hope that it doesn't offend anybody about Baker's opinion. It's just a, it's a, it's an objective analysis of where he is and how he gets from being an okay to good quarterback to being a great or elite quarterback that some people myself included hope that he can get to someday so I think Matt uh, gave really great perspective there and I think hopefully you think I did too as we're trying to kind of pin down where Baker is in this offense and where his career is going through the rest of his rookie contract so fun conversation and one that I hope we can get Matt on mid to to late mid part of the year to to reassess where Baker is as it's a fluid situation. So before we get to our next guest, talk to you about the great folks at Indeed, that even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, you have to keep making hires, and you have to keep doing it all the time, and Indeed is here to help. It's the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people, and they get you those people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier such as sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in hire. 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month It's the place to be to get going with what is important in that hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed's offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job posts, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed.com out with a free $75 credit and Indeed.com slash BlueWire, all one word, This is their best offer. You won't find this offer available anywhere else. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions do apply, and the offer is valid through September 30th. Now, offensive line play. The Browns have one of the most efficient pass-blocking and run-blocking offensive lines through two weeks. Had to have Brandon Thorne on, who I've had on preseason. I'll have him on postseason talking about the offensive line play. Miles, uh, you know, talking about Wyatt Teller, talking about Jedrick Wills where this group is after two weeks. No, it's only been two weeks, but two weeks a pretty good play, so I wanted to get his feedback on it. Let's get over to that interview right now. Brandon, we're happy to have you here, man. This is going to be a good little informative tidbit about the offensive line. I always like checking in with you. Uh, Listeners to this podcast know I trust your opinion on this. Obviously, people on Twitter follow you for this exact reason. That's offensive line play and study and curious where you're at. I know you were relatively high on the Browns in the preseason. I know I think they only have like given up maybe four or six quarterback hits, very low in that regard. They've run the football well. Where are you two weeks into this thing kind of looking at early impressions of what Kevin Stefanski can do with this group, you know, Bill Callahan too?
3: Yeah, so I mean I, I watched the Bengals game very closely, and that was very impressive uh, on a lot of different levels, pass protection and run blocking. Now, granted, the Bengals didn't have Geno Atkins, and. I don't really know, you know, what they were doing a lot of the run game. You know, they had a lot of light boxes and Sam Hubbard at the three technique, uh, which isn't really going to work versus the run very well. Um, But, you know, credit to the Browns, uh, took full advantage of it and looked great uh, in week two. And just, you know, I love the, like you mentioned, the diversification of the scheme, Uh, something that I expected to happen this year. I know Stefanski comes from a wide zone you know, coaching tree, if you will, from, you know, Gary Kubiak, um, and, you know, but Stefanski was in Minnesota for a long time. He's been exposed to a lot of different schemes, uh, and then Callahan, you know, has taught wide zone, but also other things as well. So naturally I just thought they would be pretty diverse, you know, with their schemes. And I think we're definitely seeing that, especially last week, uh, extensive use of pullers, um, both guards, Jedrick Wills had two pulls that I saw, um, and yeah i mean jc tretter even as well i think all those guys can pull at a high level uh so it's cool to see them do that and kind of utilize some misdirection as well um when you're pulling you know blocking down one way pulling around wrapping the other way that, that that seemed to work really well for them it fits what their guys do well and then with you know i think they have one of the most talented uh running back duos in the game um so yeah you know it was it could be pretty special there i think
0: yeah, certainly a big part of what makes the interior offensive line for the Browns so 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 quality is that you know, they're not afraid and uh, JC Tredder has shown the ability to pull from the center position, Joel Batonio has a long history since 2014 of doing this stuff successfully. And uh, obviously Wyatt Teller's come along, so that's a, you know, that's a key name, a guy who's graded above 90 in week 1. I think if you take away his uh, unnecessary blindside hit there in week 2 and I think he had a false start in week 2, he probably grades even higher. According to pro football focus metrics, I know you don't use their metrics to do your own study, but people seem to be praising Wyatt Teller. I've been impressed. Where are you at on where he's at two games in and kind of really a full year into Cleveland, uh, the experience. And I know a big part of, and I should, this caveat brain, a big part of Wyatt Teller and Buffalo and what they thought about him was the mental capacity for handling a lot of things. It seems like he's turned that corner a little bit, just sort of your early impressions on him.
3: Yeah, I do need to go back and watch Baltimore more closely for him. Uh, I was watching more Jedrick Wills that game. Uh, this this week with Cincinnati, I've been watching kind of, you know, the same play, you know, three, four times to try to get an eye on everybody. I've just had more time. But, you know, honestly, this week I was just on vacation for a week. but So I'm trying to catch up on a lot of stuff. Uh, but... But, yeah, I mean, Teller, you know, he's picked up right where he left off last year, I thought. I mean, you know, I was really high on him last year uh, with what I saw on tape. Um, I mentioned, you know, what he did to Geno Atkins last year was incredible. I mean, throwing him around, uh, nobody really does that, so that caught my eye. And then he just did a lot of good things last year, and I think he's built upon that. Um, You know, and, man, I mean, to do what he did last week, you know, with the new right tackle next to him as well, uh, that didn't seem to, to 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 really matter. Um, I mean, I, I think with him, you know, he's athletic and he's strong. I I mean it's it's pretty simple. Uh I think he's gotten he's getting better with his hands, uh, and that's huge. Um, just because, you know, that initial hand placement is, is so critical for the success of any given rep in the NFL because if you're off by a couple inches or you're a little late or a little early, that could be the difference between a good block and getting absolutely, you know, dusted basically, you know, with with how often guys are able to do that on the defensive side because they're obviously working their hands extensively in the offseason and things like that. So, I mean, I think his hands are, are looking really, really nice. Uh, he had a rep, um, I, I think I posted it, and if not, I will, uh, against Sam Hubbard. Yeah, I did post it uh, where Hubbard's in a like, kind of like a head up two technique or two eye And I mean, just the way he uses his hands on him, I mean, not just the placement and the timing, but also the power, Um, you know, he, he plays with a tremendous amount of power uh, in his hands. He creates a lot of torque rotationally. Uh, I think he has a lot of core strength and I mean, he's a good athlete out there as well. And then he's very mean, obviously, you know, he has that mentality that you love to see. So, um, you know, getting coached up by one of the best all time, you know, offensive line coaches uh, and, you know, playing alongside Treader, um, you know, he's in a good situation and, uh, you know, granted, Gino didn't play last week. I really, really would have loved to have seen that. So he didn't really see good competition last week. I mean, he was blocking Christian Covington, pushing him around the yard. Um, you know, I used to love Covington, but he's, he's kind of fallen off the last couple of years. He's been decimated by injuries. Um, so that's, you know, context Hubbard inside isn't, you know, that great. Um, at least versus the run and you know, the, like power rushing and stuff like that. I like him on the edge. So all that to say, I think this week uh, we're going to learn a lot uh, about Wyatt Teller um, because he's going to be seeing Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne and Matt Ioannidis. So that is going to be the the best competition he's faced this season for sure. Um, and yeah, I mean we're going to learn a lot about Jedrick Wills. He's going to see Chase Young. So I'm really really excited about this game uh on sunday early game um i think that's going to be very telling for for the browns offensive line
0: so brandon before i get you out the door that's great stuff on teller we're obviously excited about him his low center of gravity kind of how powerful he is at the point of attack i know browns fans are are really feeling optimistic about that spot that everybody had a lot of questions about the other question was left tackle obviously they they drafted jedi Wills, play right tackle so life nice playing left tackle i saw you tweeted out a clip pretty impressed about his kick step Listen, man. I'm not gonna say I recorded the same clip, but I did, and uh, I was blown away by it too. Just really excellent footwork, and how easily he's getting to his drop point, um, which was which is really surprising me for a guy who didn't get a full off season. Obviously, here to prepare in terms of coaching and all of that, and OTAs and mini camps, and uh, I'm impressed. How are you feeling about? I know. Listen, I know it's early, man. Two weeks into any career, is silly to kind of update, but like, just sort of the mechanics of the position for him, what it looks like to you so far.
3: Yeah, I feel like I've seen just some growth from week one to week two. You know, week one, I thought he looked a little stiff out there. You know, not wasn't really moving, uh, you know, nearly the same way that you expect him or that he was moving at right tackle at Alabama. Um, So, you know, I think he was definitely getting comfortable. He was provided a tremendous amount of help last week, um, you know, and things like that, which is smart. Um, He had some good reps on his own as well, but for the most part, you know, he, he he didn't have a tremendous amount of responsibility either. Um, this week, you know, I think they they let him go a little bit more out there on an island. You know, that vertical set that I posted, I mean, I hadn't seen him set like that. Now, granted, he had two tight ends, you know, aligned to his left. So he had a lot of space between him and Hubbard, who was in a, a very wide nine technique. So I think in those scenarios, maybe that's the technique Wills will use but for the most part he's not setting like that that's why it stood out to me so much because that's straight out of Joe Thomas's playbook right there I mean that I'd be willing to bet good money that Joe Thomas either coached him on that or you know was involved in some way on that technique because that is exactly how Joe Thomas used a vertical set albeit from a different stance but Yeah, so that was really cool to see that, Um, just his ability to do that and then to also execute his anchor uh, the way he did versus Hubbard um, there was very impressive. So, I mean, you see him experimenting now. Uh, Last week was a good week to do that. This week, um, you know, you just want to go out there and play. You don't really want to be trying to, you know, try – too much new stuff against Chase Young. I mean, that's a whole different animal um, than what he's seen so far in his career. Uh, So that's going to be, I think, a very interesting matchup for him to see what he goes to, what he uses as far as his sets, his hands and things like that. Um, So I'm going to be watching that matchup very closely because I think that's going to be kind of a jumping off point one way or the other for the rest of the season for him, you know, as an individual player, uh, just because, I think that's probably the best, you know, right defensive end he's going to face, you know, for for a little while, at least, Um, you know, Dallas is probably going to put Alden Smith over him a little bit. He's going to probably see a little Justin Houston after that. But I don't know. I mean, I still think Chase Young, man, I'm looking at their schedule. He might be the best pass rusher that he's going to see the entire season um so yeah I I think week three we're we're gonna see a lot a lot of interesting stuff unfold here
0: it's a great point Brandon I think that I think you even talked about this at the beginning of the season when you came on that the uh, pass rush gauntlet for for Jed was not overwhelming but this would be one of his bigger challenges and we've seen so far that Chase is obviously um, obviously a very impactful edge right away as we all thought he would be here in Ohio watching him play at Ohio State so I know Brandon you do uh, weekly mismatch articles, uh, some things like that at Establish the Run. I think I'm saying that right, kind of what, what mismatches teams can take advantage of um, and, and really gives a good indication of what could happen in the game and all that stuff. So, um, again, he's at Establish the Run. He's doing all sorts of offensive line study, great clips. Make sure you're following him at Brandon Thorn NFL. Brandon, thanks for your time, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. No problem. Big shout out to Brandon, man. That was a great interview, great content about where the Browns offensive line is. And I'm just really excited about this group and how the right guard position with Teller has come together. And there's a lot of really fun breakdowns going on with that group and really a diverse set of run schemes that Kevin Stefanski's putting out there uh, for this group and this running back set that is that is really dangerous and it's fun. And it's going to keep defenses on their heels, challenging them to make a decision who they want to defend because there are You know, there are are certain things that you can try to take away, but they're going to leave you vulnerable in other places. So excited about the offensive line so far. Big test, big test coming up. We're going to talk about that test before we do. BetOnline.ag. I I talk about them all the time, but they're still here and they're still doing great stuff. And I use them weekly to bet on sports. And the wait, you know, finally ended a couple weeks ago. We get football back and they're the, the place to go for all your game line bets, all your prop bets, all your individual player bets. They go the extra mile to make sure you can get on every chance to win the season. From game spreads, like I said, to teams, to players, to parlays, to coaching props, whatever it is, they give you the options to wager more than anyone else out there. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, divisions, championship futures. All that stuff is shifted, but you can still get in on it. Head to betonline.ag today. Take advantage of all the great bonus sign-up offerings. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word, betonline. Your online sportsbook experts. Now, shifting, talking about the Washington football team. That's it. That's who they are. We're going to talk about them, Chase Young, some of their other exciting players up front, how the Browns can, can defend them, and what the Redskins will try to do to defeat the Browns. So let's get to that interview with John Kime of ESPN Nation right now. John, I'm excited to have you, man. I think this is going to be a good angle for our fans listening, learning about the Redskins. because We don't play much. Not many games happening over the last, you know, few years. Obviously, the I think 2016, 2012, 2008, uh, I talked about those before I had John here about where the Browns are at and kind of um this this matchup all time but like interested in your perspective where the Reds it's been up and down obviously lately more down than up I think in Washington from a viewing from afar just kind of where you are with the team they're one and one obviously beat the Eagles week 1 lost last week in Arizona where they're at kind of heading into uh, an important game for both teams in, in week 3
2: Yeah they they're at this is a definite um rebuilding season for Washington and you know you look at them and in some ways they're almost like um the opposite of where the Browns are like they have a defense that should be pretty good because they have a lot of talent on that side of the ball and then you look at the offense and they don't have a Miles Garrett equivalent necessarily although Terry McLaurin is pretty good but they don't but the point is like it's the offense is much more of a work in progress. I mean, they need to add some things to defensively, but they need a lot more on offense to get to really be to really start to threaten people consistently. What they did well in the first game against the Eagles, the, the defense gave them the ball in good field position and they cashed in with touchdowns. What they didn't do well in the second game is they, they couldn't do anything. They, they were bad on third down. Dwayne Haskins was inaccurate. The running game wasn't consistent early on. And Kyler Murray just ate up the defense eventually. So, and, they, and then when they, got a, when they had great field position, they turned it back over. And so they are a very inconsistent team right now. And I think the key thing that they're going to have to figure out from here going forward is when you're looking at this roster, it's a young roster. Where is it growing pains? And where is the talent? And I think in some cases, you kind of know. In some cases, it's going to be a season-long quest to find out the answer. But they are a rebuilding team. I think the Browns are a little bit further ahead than them. Um, but um, they, you know, Washington is definitely rebuilding.
0: You talk about talent, figuring out whether you have the talent or you need to groom the talent, whatever it is. Kind of Dwayne Haskins falls into that group, right? Young quarterback um, taken with a different head coach by the time he was selected, kind of an uneven rookie season. An important year, too. How has he done? So, I mean, I know Ohio State fans, a lot of Ohio State fans listen to this podcast as part of being Browns fans, and I I keep an eye on Dwayne from afar. I was a big fan of him uh, in general at Ohio State. So just sort of where you think he is with this franchise right now, where he is as a young player.
2: Yeah, and I I watched him at Ohio State as well because that's where I went too, and so you know I knew him as a college player, and then getting to know him as an NFL player. I think where's that? I think what people have to keep in mind with him, it's he's made nine NFL starts. I mean, people there are still trying to figure out Baker Mayfield in in, in his third season. This kid has made nine starts and only had fourteen starts in college. It takes a long time. He is, I think, the hard part for him is that you see quarterbacks like Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray coming in and making a pretty big impact right away. They have legs and they're unique weapons. That's why they can come in and do things. Guys like Dwayne Haskins as a pocket passer. As you know, like you have to learn so much more and be so much more precise in a lot of areas because you can't bail yourself out with your legs and you're not a weapon there. You're not going to regulate the defense because of your Cause you're a dual threat guy. So all the, so all this growing pains in the pocket are are more magnified. So what you see from him, the things that I have liked, he's not throwing interceptions. Um, He did turn the ball over last week, but and a fumble, but he's not, he hasn't been throwing interceptions and he's competed. So when they've struggled early in the games, he's finished a lot stronger than he started. I think there's some areas he's really comfortable in. I think he's a lot more comfortable when they get to an up-tempo thing where you're able to kind of simplify things a little bit more for him and the others around him just as important because it is a young offense. It's not just about him. I think the one big thing that you wonder about with him comes back to mechanics. He's got the arm talent. We've seen that. We saw it at Ohio State. Where are the mechanics going to prove enough for him to be a consistently good quarterback? So like you'll see him Sunday, and you would see this in college, but you can get away with it when you you have extra time to throw to Paris Campbell on a cross, right? He's going to break that one, and your and your mechanics kind of get overlooked. But you'll see this. like They're really working hard with him on getting the eyes and the feet matched up when he's in the pocket. And Dwayne Haskins has arm talent where he can sometimes get away with not having it in sync and make a good throw. But it's harder to, do, to live that way consistently in the NFL. So that's one of the things. They want him to kind of—it's one of those uh, slow down but play fast situations. You know, you don't want to rush things, but you want to slow it down a little bit, move for you through your <clears throat> progressions quick, but do it with good mechanics. And see—and sometimes you're going to see sometimes that front shoulder will come open. Sometimes, if he's a little bit too amped, maybe he's not stepping—you know—following through the right way on his throws. So, you see all that with him. So that's like I said, that's where you you have to wonder with him, is that going to be who he is? How much better will he get with that? And then lastly, Jake, I, the part of the issue for him is that you look at the talent around him. he needs more. He needs more help. But I think the question they'll have to ask with him is when he gets all that help, will the other factors be good enough to then to then maximize all of that their ability? So, there are just some questions with him, but again, inexperienced, nine starts. And he has he's light years ahead of where he was last year because of the work he's done the offseason, because of the approach he's taken. He is a smart kid. Um, I just think it's a matter of, you know, will he improve and how much will he improve with those mechanics?
0: Yeah, I think a big part of Dwayne's game will come as they they improve talent around him and listen, a lot of those things sound like what Baker Mayfield's trying to work through too and you made a great point about Baker's 32 starts and and um you know you're still trying to find what what is he long term. So early in the process for Dwayne, it'll be fascinating to watch him. What the Browns did are. is they dared Joe Burrow to beat him. Nickel and dime him. Get after him up front. Don't let him chuck the football down the middle of the field. Challenge us deep. Other than, you know, the Browns have two corners and they have a third coming back with Greedy this week who they trust a lot right. vertically down the field on the outsides. They don't want to be beat down the middle of the field. So I think that a big part of what they did last week was dare joe burrow to throw 61 times man like beat us nickel and diamonds down the field don't make a mistake and i think you'll see a pretty similar approach to what they do with uh with haskins they're going to make him beat them underneath make consistently accurate throws and then you know the browns will hope for four or five punts like that's their mo the the other interesting thing to me is going to be this this if washington has one strength and i'm sure you would agree with me it's this defensive line it's sure it's by far the best cleveland's faceless the ravens do a ton of stuff on a defense that has a winning culture, and they've been with Don Martindale forever, and they know a lot of those uh, simulated fronts and pressures and weird sort of things, and that's why they get by. And Calais Campbell was unique, and they added him, and obviously he's a big player. But as far as a collective group, the Bengals were missing Geno Atkins. Wasn't their full group. This is the real deal. I think Washington, obviously Chase Young's a rookie, but he comes in as an advanced rookie in everybody's opinion, much like Miles was in 2017. So you're looking at not only Chase Young, Montez Sweat, Ryan Kerrigan off the edge a very group, diverse group there and I'm not sure the health I could be wrong you could correct me from some guys are maybe missing time here but uh De'Ron Payne and Jonathan Allen anchor inside with Matt Ioannidis a really good core defensive line so like that's a fascinating matchup and like the I think the Browns have the first or second overall uh pass rushing and and, and pass blocking efficiency marks early in the year playing very well so I mean, I guess what I'm looking at here, John, is kind of giving me what you think of this defensive line and how you think they match up with the Browns. And is this as strong as a point as I'm making it? Is this group as as good as I'm making a sound?
2: It's a very good group. It is by far the strength of this team, and it's the reason why. It's one of the reasons why Ron Rivera was interested in this job to begin with, because you do have that strong base. Now, obviously, Chase Young wasn't here when he took over. Um but the, they, even before Chase Young took over came here, it was a solid group. He makes it a group that could be really good because of his ability. So you have you have Chase Young, you know, in two games he's got a couple he's got a few sacks already. Um he can play the run. Montez Sweat can play the run. They're, you know, so they're strong. So that's what I'm interested to see here, Jake, is how they play the run against the best rushing team that they have faced to you know, through the three games and certainly one of the best ones they'll face this year. That's an interesting matchup. And I think what they've been playing, they're still in a little bit of a transition with that group up front because a lot of those guys were playing, the defensive tackles especially, were playing a lot of two-gap. So they were used to playing a little bit more laterally. Jonathan Allen, Duran Payne played that at Alabama. Matthew Ioannidis is really comfortable in that situation. They're now having to get upfield a little bit more, more of a one-gap. And it does take some transition physically and mentally. And I think they're kind of still going through that in some ways. Uh, but again, Sweat and Young do set good edges. And I think the linebackers have been pretty, they were good in the first game against the Eagles playing off that. I felt like they were pretty good against the Cardinals going, playing off that against Kenyon Drake, but it's just different when you got Chubb or, or Kareem Hunt. And so I think that will be a, a big key and they're going to be tested. And I think we'll really see how good are you really? And I think they will be good, but how good are you right now? Because that it does look like the Browns' line has been doing better, and um, you know, and, and and the running backs have are very very good. I mean, Nick Chubb to me is an underrated back. If you know, which is funny to say because I think you know, there are a lot of good backs, but I think. I think he could, I think he's a really, really good back. And so um but but you know those a couple things too, what they can do too, they with with Young and Sweat, they do have that ability. If you want if they go to a lot of quick game stuff, you can stunt with them because they do have that length to try and clog passing lanes. Um I feel like the tackles are really good, especially Jonathan Allen at giving himself up on a stunt and taking out basically basically setting a pick and taking out two defenders, right, and or two blockers, and, and you can get sweat coming to the inside. And what they, what they really did well against the Eagles was they, they you because of that, you can collapse the interior, and then you have athletic guys on the edge. And so that's where they really did well. And, but, yeah, that's absolutely the strength of the team. It's why fans have some hope that maybe they could actually build a good defense for a change.
0: Yeah, it's interesting to me when – you know, you look at the Browns obviously had way more success week two than week one, and it was because they were able to get some early boot action uh, rollouts opposite of run game. And, and um, you know, what was what's fascinating is is this is the first defensive line that can probably, you know, maintain giving up a, a backside edge player, whether that's a contained player, a defensive end an edge, or a, a scraping linebacker, even a rolled down safety, uh, maintaining Mayfield off the backside and honoring that boot action fake, something Cincinnati did not do. Cleveland didn't even really try it in week one. Uh, because they were down so early so fast but they did they did week two and I think how how Washington handles that especially how they decide to give up a player in the run game because you're giving up a player do they trust their defensive line and linebackers to handle that while kind of being vulnerable to a cutback on the back side and that's something that Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb are very good at handling is is uh is finding those backside alleys so that's something I'm going to pay close attention to uh real quick last question before I let you go John if you're looking at this roster, Redskins roster, it seems to be some guys I'm not sure many people Cleveland fans know about. Is there anybody who you think stands out in your mind as a name that Browns fans should become familiar with or will leave the game saying, I now know who that guy is because they're pretty good?
2: Yeah, I think there's a, there's probably a couple of guys. I mean, I don't know that they have that level yet. I think the guys to watch, and I'm, these are the, guys, the two guys, and I'm really curious to see how they develop going forward, are running backs. Antonio Gibson, who's a rookie. And J.D. McKissick. J.D. McKissick is more of a third-down back. He was a receiver. Both of them were receivers in college. Um, McKissick, you know, but um, McKissick has played running back for a few years now, but I, I like he, he has a little bit of sizzle to him when you're running out of those sub-packages. And I think you know, I think they need to get him more involved in the pass game, so I'll be curious to see if they do that this week. I mean, he is a third-down back. He has one catch. But he, but he shows the ability to make some guys miss on some runs. So I think they need to get him the ball more. They don't have a lot of guys who can do that outside of Terry McLaurin. And then you have Antonio Gibson, the rookie, who was a running who was a receiver at Memphis, and he was going to be a running back in the NFL. Every, every team looked at him as a running back. When you see him in person, you do not think converted receiver. You think running back. He has a running back's build. He's a big kid but he's learning the game as a running back. And so that means that there's some growing pains too. And that's sometimes it's a matter of the pace you run a play with the patience you need to, to show on a certain run, the the track you have to take the eyes and, and then how you have to set up a cutback run. And I think he's starting to get that, but then you also see him run through the hole and be very upright. And a guy who's big and strong doesn't get yards after contact sometimes because he does, he's not lowering his shoulder. So that's something to watch. But I do think the kid is capable. I think he's capable of a big gain or two. And, I, and you watch the other night, Joe Mixon had some runs where you thought that he might snap off a long one. And he did. But I think the, I think one of these guys are capable of that. I don't know. You know, The problem with this offense, there's nobody that's, where you're capable of getting enough big plays. Like Steven Sims, a slot guy. I like him. I think he has a good ability. And then obviously fans there, know McLaurin, Outside of that, there's not a whole lot on offense um, where, where Haskins is getting a lot of help. So, you know, but those two running backs, I think are the other two to watch, I think this week, because again, Gibson's second game is a running, I think, you know, Jake. I'm sorry to ramble here, but like, I think a guy like Gibson and some of these guys were really hurt by not having a preseason and you need to, you know, if you're trying to adjust to playing running back, he's learning things about himself and the coaches are learning about him for the first time in, in regular season games there are things that he was, should have learned in the preseason about how you set guys up and how you need to lower your shoulder and the importance of that that you're not going to get in practice so now he's learning it in a game but but again he has talent and I think he's going to I think he's going to have a big game sooner or later
0: a big opportunity for him against the Browns linebacker group very susceptible against uh, short intermediate passing situations and really struggled tackling Joe, Joe Mixon last week and that's,
2: and that's yeah, and that's why I brought that up, is because I think that's an area they're gonna to try to exploit. Now I thought they were gonna do that last week against Arizona, um, but they had some they had some other issues and both those guys actually ran well last week. So but I do think those are two guys to watch on offense if, if they're going to try and, and force them into a situation where they're not gonna let a McLaurin get behind them, you know, put Denzel on him or something and and then go, but they need something else and those are the two guys who can provide a little bit of juice for this offense.
0: Good stuff, John. I appreciate it, man. This will be a fun matchup. I know you're very connected to Cleveland, so it'll be a good one for you. You get it what every once in four years, so I know you, you're probably looking you forward to it, man. So uh, yeah, listen. Thanks for yep. thanks for coming on and giving us your time, and and uh, we'll be we'll be fascinated to see what happens Sunday.
2: Thanks for having me on, Jake.
0: All right, guys, that's a wrap. Thanks for joining us. Should be a fun week, and uh, should be should be interesting to see where the Browns are uh, heading into uh, week three. Finally, some time together. Uh, made reference early about the all-time record. I think the Browns lead the all-time series here, 33-12. to Uh, All-time, the Browns have went on ridiculous win streaks of like 13 games in the 50s and 60s. Then Washington started to win some games in the 70s. And then I think Washington's won seven of the last nine. They won in 2016. They won in 2012 and 2008. A couple Kirk Cousins-led games in there. Um yeah, so so of late, and this all we all remember the Duke Johnson Phantom fumble. So we're, of late, it's been all Washington. So hopefully, hopefully we can see the Browns reverse course on that and start to get back into the win column here. This is a pivotal game. If the Browns can go to two and one and head into Dallas with a lot of confidence uh, against a team that in Dallas it's very beatable, this could be a nice little early season boost. It's going to be great to see where the offensive line sits against a challenging defensive line. And it's going to be nice to see the defense have a chance to sort of have the leg up on an opponent and be uh, maybe perhaps the more talented of the two. I think they are the more talented of the two. Uh, it's just going to be a chess match to see how each team's navigate. Thanks again to uh, all of our guests, especially, you know, Matt Waldman taking time, Brandon Thorne taking time. John Kai, Make sure you're following all of them. Huge shout out to them. Thanks to our sponsors here at Blue Wire. Check out all of our podcasts. Jared Mueller took over the OBR Daily Pod. He's posting it three, four times a week. I will be on there recapping Sunday games with him if you're interested in my immediate thoughts after the game. So that'll always be up Monday morning for you. We appreciate your support. Great 60% off promotion going on for subscribers with us at the OBR. Check that out. CBS All Access comes with it. A great promotion And uh, you should take advantage, because we're doing great stuff at the OBR. I think you guys can really benefit. Forums are great. Community is great. And uh, just some of the best, I think it's the best Browns content and coverage out there. So, you know, I'm a little biased, though. But whatever. Thanks for listening, guys. Really, really appreciate all of your support since we've started this thing. And, um, you know, it's been a while. I've been running it since it was Browns Film Breakdown and into this. And hopefully you're still getting enjoyment out of this podcast. I'm going to try to be a little bit more consistent here with with uh, these bigger episodes recapping and also looking forward and analyzing where players are at the the current moment with this team and and try to do the best we can to have film-based analysis stuff going on. It's always fun, so hopefully you're enjoying it too. So until next time, after the Redskins game, looking forward to Dallas next week. Hopefully the Browns can get a win, get it done. Until then, go
1: Browns. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran.